0: This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator society.
1: Good morning, friends and warriors, and welcome to the podcast. This is Tracy Eddy, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I am talking to my good friend and co-founder, Fran Jaeger in Tennessee. Hello. Hello. Happy Hello. New Year. Happy New
0: Year. <laughs> it's 2020. And Merry Christmas.
1: And Merry Christmas. We are so lucky we get to say both still. (laughs) Merry (laughs) Christmas and Happy New Year because it's Christmas. Yes it is.
0: It's still Christmas and it's Christmas and it's gonna be Christmas for a while y'all. It's not over yet. It's not a one-day thing. No. So we I guess that, that that's kind of the the idea of this podcast is to to Fully understand the, the the whole sense of the Christmas season, and one particular aspect of it is um, the the feast day or the solemnity of Mary, Holy Mother of God. But before we get to our Blessed Mother and this this high feast day, the solemnity that we observe on January first, which once when you're those of you who are listening to this on the third, will have already celebrated the solemnity. But we wanted to spend some time talking about the Blessed Mother and her role in the whole, you know. Christmas narrative, Christmas season. But let's, before we even do that, just talk about the Christmas season. And that, you know, again, it begins um, with the nativity of our Lord or the, even the vigil of the nativity of our Lord. That's when we kind of begin celebrating Christmas. Right. We have all been saying Merry Christmas to each other <laughs> since, like, Thanksgiving. <laughs> so people are probably a little, like, weary, ah, super weary. And it's funny. Like, I still say Merry Christmas to people, like, at stores, you know, after Christmas. And I always get, like, a funny look. And it, like, like it's, it's done. Christmas. That
1: was That was three yeah. days ago. <laughs> Don't
0: you see these Valentines out of the shelves? It's not Christmas anymore. No, but it is.
1: The Safeways already had some um hearts out.
0: Are you kidding? No, I'm not
1: kidding. But I mean, I guess that's to be expected because you do see Christmas decorations come out in August. So I guess, yeah, um, yeah. late December for for Valentine decorations mm. is not really out of the realm of normal yeah. <laughs> for for retail. Pattern, yeah, for, sure. for retail. Yeah, for retail at least, absolutely.
0: So in the in the, the the Christian Church, we have this idea that we have received from our um, our Jewish, um, you know. Fathers and mothers, this idea of festival—that—that that, you know, a, a high feast, a, a very important day uh, or or celebration—doesn't just have to be contained on one day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even even weddings were like a whole day affair or several days, you know. Right. That that's how the, that's how our Jewish um, ancestors celebrated feasts, and we have an inher- we've inherited that into our liturgy, in, in um specifically in our celebration of octaves or eight days of um, celebration that we have um, following Christmas Easter you know the, these eight days are considered liturgically basically as one day right, right. like we, we take we take this one day feast and we stretch it out <laughs> over eight days and it's all Christmas
1: yes, yes. And like you said it's a return to the fest to the idea of festival yeah. you said that yeah. on a, a previous podcast and I love that because that's so that so true it's it's such a big event in the life of the church that it needs more than just like a singular yeah. event you know it's yeah. it's an event that changed the course of history and the course of mm-hmm. christianity um and and just the course of of mankind that mm-hmm. acknowledging it for one day and then mm-hmm. moving to the next holiday is yeah. just wrong
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well and it doesn't give us the opportunity to just like saturate yeah. in the, the the reality that is the incarnation in relation to Christmas. And then when we when we celebrate the octave of, you know. I don't know what sorry, sorry about that knocking. <laughs> knocking. I might even see it if might the, be flowers behind you are like <laughs> pulsating or something. I, I mean, it still is Christmas, so I mean, could it be Jesus at my, Mary and Joseph at my door? I'm to go check. I should answer it. Continuing on with the hospitality thing, I should probably go check that. Some someone else in my home will take care of it. But the but the idea is that um that we would saturate our lives with the, the the beauty and truth of the incarnation, and and our church also gives us beautiful little like um, markers during the season of Christmas. So we have the octave of Christmas, which is um, the twenty fifth um, through the you know solemnity of Mary, or January first, um, and then we have. Um, still days more of Christmas season happening. A lot of people kind of finish their Christmas um, just kind of in a personal way on the Feast of the Epiphany, which is when the wise men came to to visit uh, baby Jesus or our celebration of when the wise men um, or commemoration of when the wise men visited Jesus with their, their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, but it actually goes through the Feast of the Baptism of our Lord on the 12th. So we have a very extended Christmas season that the secular world does not appreciate
1: to say the least. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. I mean, yeah, going back to I I again we we discussed this on a previous podcast, but having having friends um lament Thanksgiving being later and worrying about not really getting to enjoy their Christmas decorations mm-hmm. for a long period of time, it gave me that evangelization opportunity to say, well, since Christmas really goes on through the, the Feast of the Epiphany, you know you're in the Christmas. Christmas doesn't happen really till Christmas, so mm-hmm. you can you can just keep those decorations up a little bit longer. Um, yeah. And I know I, I do know that, like you said, glitter gets old after <laughs> after a while, and it is time. But just to just like your family does, you keep a nativity up yeah. just to keep the Christmas. Um, season alive until christmas is, you know, officially done mm-hmm. I think is is important and it does yeah. um teach your kids to to kind of do the same thing <laughs> maybe <laughs>
0: No, I definitely think so. And I love that our bishops, you are simpatico with our bishops, Tracy, because if you look on the usccb.org website um, and you type in, you know, Christmas calendar, you will see a calendar pop up with cute little graphics that has something to to celebrate, uh, little tips for celebrating Christmas the entire season of Christmas. So uh, December 25th through January 12th, every single day, it gives you just a little blurb, a little thing, thing that you you can reflect on or do um, to, to continue to celebrate Christmas in, in union with our liturgical calendar. And I love that on January eighth. So imagine what most people in the world are doing on January eighth, right? They're they're probably giving up their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> like I've been been doing this a week. It's too hard. That's right. But on the calendar from our bishops, it says, wish someone a Merry Christmas today. It's an easy way to evangelize, uh, to wish someone a Merry Christmas during the Christmas season after December 25th, and then explain why. And you're doing this. You're already doing it. I love it.
1: it. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So
0: our, our bishops are, are good teachers, good papas, and are giving us good um, food for thought and, and little things to do to c- help us continue to celebrate Christmas. But let's focus in, let's tighten up our um, lens here and talk about our Blessed Mother, because she has a solemnity, which is, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term solemnity, it's like our highest feast day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a solemnity on January 1st, um, which is, you know, within the, the octave of Christmas. It is the, the last day of the octave of Christmas. Um, and this um, solemnity is to celebrate or recognize our earliest christian dogma about the blessed mother which is um mother of god that that, that's just a pronouncement so a dogma is an official teaching of the catholic church um that that really defines a doctrine right once and for all we have defined this doctrine it is now dogma and that dogma is theotokos or mother of god is how it's um commonly translated
1: and, you know, I think that's a good uh, point of distinction we should make is that the Pope can have a lot of opinions. He can say things that he believes are true, but unless it's, con- unless it's a dogma of the church, his opinions are not infallible. Um, right. His ideas, yeah. his personal um, reflections, reflections even. Sure. even some of his writings. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. unless it's dogma um, mm-hmm. of the church, that's what's infallible
0: or ex cathedra which means from the chair yes. that he intends for this to be infallibly stated it is it is in union with the magisterium so all of the bishops of the church i mean when we have dogma we i mean it usually comes from like a council right of the church where they where yeah. the church fathers have come together have decided no this, we're nailing it down this is the truth right. we have we have developed this thought through reflection and study for you know sometimes hundreds or thousands of years but now we are going to nail it down, and this is what we believe. And it's and dogma is actually very simple. You know, it's not super complicated. It's this is a this is what we believe. It will it will go unchanged. And the dogma of the Theotokos or the the Mother of God simply states that that Mary is the mother. Of God, yep. in in being the mother of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the second person of the Trinity, you know, we we acknowledge that being the mother of Jesus means that she's also the mother of God. Now, there are again, it's a very simple statement, but then <laughs> people tease it out, and there are there are. Um, Ways in which that people misunderstand it for for, and and complicate the matter in that, you know, people might um, reject this dogma thinking that to say that Mary is the mother of God would mean that she is the mother of, you know, the, the God, the father. You know, creator of the world, and of course, that's not what we mean. Or in some way, she preceded God, right. being the mother of God, because we're taking this idea of motherhood um, in a very narrow-minded way. When in fact, we're just affirming that Christ is God, mm-hmm. Mary is His mother. And therefore she is the mother of God and it's protective, not, not only, and even not primarily of who Mary is, but it's of who
1: Jesus is. Why do you think this is so complicated or or so controversial? Because I don't, Mm -hmm. just as you said earlier, dogma is pretty simple. I mean, Mm -hmm. God became man through -hmm. Jesus. So Jesus is, you know, um, part of the Trinity. He is the son of God, but he's also God himself. And he was born through the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. Therefore, she is the mother of Jesus. She is the mother of God. Mm -hmm. So, to me, that seems very simple and straightforward. But there's a lot of people really take issue with that dogma.
0: Well, there's so we have contemporary. Um, challenges to this this uh, mother of God dogma um, which we can go into but I'll say it, it developed very early in Christianity um, actually was, was pronounced dogma at the Council of Ephesus in 431 that is very early in the church's mm-hmm. history this is a very early um, Marian dogma um, and it developed because it was controversial then because we had um, Nestorius who is the um, Um, unfortunately he, he is the namesake for the Nestorian heresy. (laughs) You know, he, he was, he was a heretic, obviously he was a heretic because he taught something wrong and was, um, I think the word is like obstinate, obstinate in his teaching of this wrong teaching. But I mean, he, he was trying to be a faithful Christian and that he was trying to, in, in pronouncing this heresy, um, he was trying to combat a previous heresy, um, that, um, that that well he was trying to defend Christ's full humanity right there was a previous heresy i think it might have been called like um Apollinarianism, maybe, whereby um, Christ's uh, humanity was denied. It was almost like, you know, Christ was only God. Um, he was only divine. But N- Nestorius was saying, you know, he, he's fully human, but he took it too far. And he said, in fact, Mary is is the mother of Christ's humanity. And he was kind of breaking apart the, the full humanity and full divinity of Christ, which we understand through the hypostatic union. Like, that is also a dogma that was defined very early in the church, although after even the Theotokos, um, but this this idea that that Mary was only the the Christotokos, or so, so the mother of Christ, mm-hmm. versus Theotokos, ah. the mother of God. Um, so there was there's this very technical controversy controversy brewing in the early church that that yes had to do with Mary, but more so had to do with who Jesus was and how we understand Jesus's. Full divinity and full humanity—you know—essentially um, um, united in the hypostatic union, which is mysterious. I mean, it's mysterious. We, again, dogma has to be very simple because we're oftentimes describing mysteries that you can't—you <laughs> can't talk too much about, or, or you again delve into heresy. Right, right, right. We're keeping it simple. Just that if Jesus is God, Mary is truly His mother, then Mary is indeed the mother of God.
1: Again. That that is simple. So I, I just scratch my head why. Now, but what you just explained, okay, I get that. But now let's talk about like modern day um, yes. controversy. So so right. you you are an intellectual in the in Catholic Church history. So that <laughs> that might be overstating <laughs> things, but I do like to think. <laughs> I mean that that's pretty deep um, and really cool. And um, but let's talk about like the controversy. You know, just over the dinner table with. Friends who were not Catholic, right. like right.
0: So I think that that con- I think the new contemporary challenges to the, um, the the dogma of Mary being the mother of God have to do with, um, and there may have been some precursors to this um, following the the pronounce the, the pronouncement of the dogma and 431 you know it never it never really gets settled there's always <laughs> little brewings along the way but I think that it, it really came to a full boil during the um the, the reformation and while Martin Luther himself was very Marian I mean you you would imagine with all of the things he did away with that he would have done away with Marian yet he didn't he was a very he, he, even in his Even in his Protestantism, Martin Luther was very Marian. But John Calvin, on the other hand, I think is known to have said something to the effect of, you know, if we call Mary, if we call Mary mother of God, then it tempts the ignorant. Right. It wasn't that even he was saying the dogma isn't true. Mary isn't the mother of God. But he's saying, but if we say it, then it leads people into ignorant ponderings or practices. It's
1: almost like the people are too dumb to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we don't want to say these big ideas because... These words that we smart people understand. Because they might take it out of context (laughs) and run into heresy. (laughs) Right, right. Or, Or just into
0: practices that we think are, you know again man-made traditions like we don't we don't like those things and so that you know saying these words will will I I think I think specifically he said tempt the ignorant or something to that effect Um, so and I think that those are the remnants that we're Mm -hmm. experiencing now in Christianity is people don't want to get too close to our Blessed Mother because they feel like um, on one hand it's getting a little Catholic in here Uh you know, Um, but on the other hand they're scared that if they if they give her too much honor or too much um, even glory, even adoration. I mean not that the kind of adoration that we, you know, that that, that is afforded to Jesus um, by being, you know, king of the universe and God himself. That that, you know, any attention we give to Mary somehow um, draws away from Jesus. And we've talked about this when we had our when we had Greta on on the podcast Mm -hmm. about her struggles with the Blessed Mother in coming into the Catholic Church. And I think it's a very it's it's a universal hesitation. I think I think the
1: Blessed Mother for any um it, you know any non-catholic Christian but definitely for like 99.9 percent of uh Catholic converts Mary is always their their um kind of it's an it, obstacle. yeah it's definitely yeah. an obstacle it's a universal <laughs> obstacle um yeah. but then I think universally once the um once the the history and the relationship and kind of the the truth of of our beliefs once that is explained and understood Most converts usually become very merry and devoted.
0: Mm -hmm. Or at least open to the fact that we're not actually worshiping her. I love, I found this quote that I thought was fantastic. It's from a book um, called the path to Rome. Don't, don't don't, don't if, if you're listening and you're not Catholic don't get your hackles up it's, it, was <laughs> a, it was written by it was written by a convert to the Catholic Church He was actually the Anglican Bishop of London I believe His name was um, Graham Leonard and he said um, I have long recognized the unique vocation of Our Lady so this even preceded his his you know conversion to the Catholic Church. Um, she was called to the highest honor among all created beings. It is a fact of history that if true honor is not paid to her, as the mother of God, people put our Lord in her place as the highest creation of the Father, then adoring Him as God incarnate. So let's think about that for a mm-hmm. second. I think we may have talked about this as well. Like I often like when I when I teach kids um, these kind of concepts, I often ask throughout throughout the question, you know, uh, what what's the opposite of the devil? And they always say God. No, God is not the opposite of the mm-hmm. devil. Because God is not a created being. They are not on the same plane at all. The opposite of the devil is the highest of creation, and that is the Blessed Mother. Right, and when we take away the the honor that she should be given as the highest of creation, the one that was chosen from all <laughs> humanity to to bear the Son of God, to bear God into the world through her body, when we take away her right to that honor, then we're actually then saying, no, that place is for Jesus. Mm-hmm. That place is not for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not the highest of creation. Jesus is not creation. He is God who entered into our humanity. But he is not like, you know, in the balance, the, the, the black and white, you know, on, on one side here's the devil, on this side is God. No, God supersedes everything, even the devil. He is above the devil. He is the conqueror. He is the victor. He is the creator of the universe.
1: That is amazing.
0: Yeah. And, and I think when you put it in that context, which this, this, um, you know, former, uh, you know, Anglican Bishop of London did so well, like it's a very dangerous thing not to give Mary her due honor because, because it doesn't make, it does not clarify who Jesus is.
1: Absolutely. I, um, I recently saw a performance and it was just lovely. It was, it was fun and it was festive and it was kind of a Christmas winter performance. And, um, but it, it referred to Mary as, and I think they're trying to give, um, you know, make Jesus's incarnation so spectacular, to, but to really crown Jesus, to say, look, God chose a, and this was their words, a no-name poor virgin. I don't even think mm-hmm. the woman's name, I don't even think Mary's name was stated in this performance. Mm-hmm. A no-name poor virgin to... To conceive and to bear the Son of God, and then it went fr- from that statement to you know Jesus, mm-hmm. and not that I disagree with with that, but Mary is not a no name. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like you said, she is the highest of creation on on the good side, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, um, yeah, and so I love how you just I love that explanation that you just gave. That is that it just kind of crystallizes um, because. I don't even think just children think the opposite of the devil is God. I mean, I think that's probably a good trick question. (laughs) It is a good trick question. (laughs) And I think that's talk about, um, you know, table topics (laughs) yeah, (laughs) for for conversation. That really Mm -hmm. kind of zeroes in. I think probably on the modern day um, controversy of of Mm -hmm. Mary, Mother of God.
0: And I think another complication that often um, arises is this, argument um, for some people who who don't realize they too are falling into Nestorian heresy you know when they say things like um, you know God can't have a mother Mary can't be the mother of God because God is an eternal being mm-hmm. right so everybody everyone who has a mother something precedes you know a mother precedes a child and so you know, Mary can't be the mother of God because she can't precede God right. and, and you know proceed chronologically yeah. basically yeah. Um, you know that, that, that we have this very um, kind of narrow, finite sense of the the creature of time yep. and how God can, God can do whatever he wants in his creature of time. Right. like He is not bound to the laws of time and that he is not bound to the laws of gravity. Right. He is not bound to the laws of any of his creatures. Um, he, he often does follow the laws, you know, especially, um, you know, it, it, when Jesus, you know, c- c- entered into humanity, of course he followed some of the laws that he himself created. However, he didn't have to and he didn't he didn't always he walked through doors <laughs> he walked on water right <laughs> um, and i loved it may have been the apologist and um, the catholic answer answers apologist trent horn who said something like you know to use that as your argument like god, mary can't be the mother of god because god can't have a mother because god is eternal is like saying that um god can't die right. because god is eternal and what christian would say that jesus didn't die
1: God, that's good. You know, if
0: we say if we say that Jesus is God, which we do, I mean that is a dogma. <laughs> um, it is a dogma of the Trinity. Um, if we if we if we say that, then we have to say that Jesus that that God died in a way. Yeah, right. Yeah. So God also has a mother. Well, like he sent his son to die simple.
1: on a cross.
0: Yes. I mean, we say that. And these things are very simple Mm -hmm. and yet they are fraught with complication. If we try to tease out the mystery too much, we just have to like accept it in the simplest form. Jesus is God, you know, um, Mary is his mother. Mary is the mother of God.
1: Well, I mean, Mary mothered God. She bore him. Mm -hmm. She nursed him. She raised Mm -hmm. him. (laughs) She is his mother and even yeah. even on the cross jesus gives her as the mother to us you mm-hmm. know so obviously yeah. she was his mother and kind of as as i don't know necessarily a gift but to some degree a gift he 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 gives us his mother um mm-hmm. he gives you know his disciples mary as their mother and mm-hmm. you know um so if she wasn't his mother i don't think you would mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that just doesn't make sense to me, um, yeah. but I'm, I'm speaking definitely from a very um, human element, I guess, when I you right. know, read that scripture. But you, you have clarified some, some things that I think I know in my heart, and I think many of us do, but when you hear it, it it's like a little light bulb goes off.
0: Well, and I think too, I'm glad that you mentioned scripture because I think that is, maybe this might be our last like complication of Mary, the mother of God that we discussed. There's a lot of them actually, but one of the ones that a lot of people, especially um, people, well, I'll say this, people will say that Mary can't be the mother of God because the Bible doesn't say so. Mm-hmm right mm-hmm. and and actually I was reading a website for a, um, a church that considers themselves Christian we do not recognize them as Christian because they're not Trinitarian and um, although they are fantastic people um, on their website specifically um, it says you know we, we, we reject this idea that Mary is the mother of God basically because they well really because they reject that Jesus is God mm-hmm. in the first place because they don't accept the Trinity but they say it's because it's not in the Bible and And even if you are a Trinitarian Christian, if you are, you know, of the Sola Scriptura tradition in that, you know, all of your understanding of doctrine, all of your, you you believe that it is all derived from the Bible, from something that the Bible says explicitly, basically. And if that's your framework, then that excludes a lot of other doctrines that you must hold as a Christian that also are not in the Bible. Number one, the Trinity, right mm-hmm. we don't see the word no. trinity in the bible or even a very robust and 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 um uh explicit understanding of the hypostatic union how can jesus be fully divine and fully human i mean this is if you were just to take the bible which a lot of people did throughout the course of christianity this is like the the breeding ground for tons of heresies right. about who jesus right. is right so so we trusted that the so those of us who understand the trinity those of us who accept the hypostatic union have no reason not to accept the terminology as, of of our blessed mother as being mother of god um not because it's extra biblical but but just because not all of our beliefs depend on you know an explicit derivation from the written word of god these are very early christian understandings of who Mary is, who Jesus is, and, and how we are to understand, um, how they how they work together for this presentation of the economy of salvation, um, you know. And I also love we 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 also. I mean, I don't want to get too nerdy in this podcast, but you know, we have this term Theotokos, and most of us, at least in the Western world, think that the easy translation there is Mother of God. Yes, but we also use the word God bearer, but it's 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 more specific in the Greek. Um, and I'm not I don't speak Greek, but I do do lexicon studies (laughs) that it uh, (laughs) that it it actually means like birth giver to god it's not just mother because you you reference like you can be a mother and raise children and be fully their mother like they're as an adoptive mother you know this to be (laughs) true yes like you you are your children's mother right right and but yet even that context doesn't recognize who mary was to jesus she is the sole um, provider of DNA for this human being, Jesus Christ, right? He had no earthly father. She She carried him in her womb and brought him forth from her body as a mother, a birth giver, and that's really the, the technicality of Theotokos, right? And it challenged so many of these little derivative heresies about, well, maybe she just was Jesus, you know, the, 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 the vessel, right? You know, surely she was just the vessel through which God passed or the human person who then became, there's another heresy where by people believed that Jesus only became God um, at the baptism,
1: right? Which like, is crazy,
0: <laughs> super crazy. He was like a man. <laughs> he'd, been, he'd been God his whole life. Yeah, but they're saying you know he only became God when the Spirit descended upon him, and God said, "This is my Son in whom I am well pleased." Yeah, that seems very um, that, heretical.
1: Yeah, heretic. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's a that's a big check mark. There's a, a great article um, on the Catholic Thing dot org. So if any of our listeners um, read their articles, and I know a lot of people, it's so fun because. Um, a lot I run into listeners or or people who read our blogs, and they'll recommend different articles and different websites. And, and often I get, do you ever read the Catholic thing? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, do. <laughs> but they have a great um, article that came out today, actually, about Mary. And, and because we are approaching this feast, um, we're going to see a lot of these really great articles um, mm. on different Catholic websites. But it talks about Mary as a... The title actually is Singular Vessel of Devotion. And but it talks about, you know, Jesus's DNA is like his blood, his cells mm-hmm. are s- past the placenta, you know, the, the blood barrier of the placenta. And 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 the writer here talks about, you know, it's a kind of a biological phenomena how mm-hmm. this the cells of the baby stay with the mother and how the mother. Mm-hmm. Really, and it talks about how she's the Ark of the New Covenant, and and so I encourage people maybe to go read the Catholic thing. And you also had a, a beautiful article that you um, shared with me yesterday. But read some of these articles that are way more technical than we probably have time to get yes. into um, today, or <laughs> well, the capacity. Yeah, to do. <laughs> and it talks about. I mean, it goes into not only you know Scripture, but tradition and biology, yeah. and yeah. Um, although I think Brain probably does have the capacity go into into very very um kind of weedy discussion but these are these are some great um resources also so the catholic thing singular vessel of devotion um and it was published today so
0: mm-hmm. look that up love it i love look it i love up. the catholic thing well we, do we do our, do, do we want to do our last let's bits? do it let's do it let's do so it you want gonna go first well, I have, a Do few, have I
1: have a few little last little bits, and none of them are, like, okay. earth-chattering, but I shared with you earlier, Fran, this picture that my daughter uh, did of the Blessed Mother asleep, and I just so think it's beautiful. so precious, um, and I might take a picture of it and put it on the Bellator Facebook page or something, because it was just so sweet, and I love that um, You know, our kids go to a Catholic school, and so I love that they, in their arts and crafts time, um, are encouraged to, you know, play around with with different images. And it's the—you can't see it, obviously, because this is a podcast, but we've talked about the the— the trend in some you know portrait drawing of different saints mm-hmm. and stuff or the kind of the faceless where they either they have no face or their eyes are closed or whatever and so this is kind of just that her eyes are closed it's sort of like the blessed mother asleep kind of but she has a beautiful I veil she got some sleep <laughs> <laughs> that poor woman <laughs> I know but it is so precious um and so anyway so I just thought I'd share that um but I've got an article from the letter from the pastor. Um, Father Klein wrote about Christmas trees. So he's the pastor of my church at St. Bernadette. And he wrote about Christmas trees and the origin of Christmas trees we often hear is from a pagan, um, you know, Christmas trees are really a pagan tradition, blah, blah, blah. And so he wrote uh, his letter from the fourth Sunday of Advent, which was yesterday. And by the way, i just like to say, am I the only person that reads bulletins? Like, you can get them online, I mean, but I do, I love to read them. I need a life.
0: My um, four-year-old does not leave church without a bulletin, so you, you've you got him on your team. There you go, and I'm
1: sure he colors it. He can't it. read. He but. colors it. <laughs> <laughs> or makes paper <laughs> airplanes out of it or something. Yep, yep. But he right. talks about, um, you know, as this story goes, St. Boniface and his companions interrupted this pagan event, and a child was being um they were they were kind of like worshiping a, a huge tree, and this child mm-hmm. was being sacrificed. And with his is it called a crozier? It's this, the staff with his hook. Yeah, yeah his yeah. hook, his shepherd's hook. He's right. st- he's kind of stuck it out as they were coming down with like the axe to you know mm-hmm. kill this child in their pagan um, oh. sacrifice sa- ritual, you know, of sacrifice, mm-hmm. and it broke this huge you know um, hammer thing um, mm-hmm. axe deal. It broke it into pieces, and mm-hmm. and and they. Hang on, it says the this little tree, a young child of the forest, shall be your holy tree tonight. And so that's where we get the Christmas tree. And so the Germanic people started bringing in these little mm-hmm. fir trees, um mm-hmm. and it's sort of as the is the opposite of the the what was it? The thunder oak that they yes, that they called. Yeah, um, yeah. The tree was dedicated to you know the god of Thor, and they couldn't believe that yeah. Thor didn't come in and like kill stop them yeah Yeah. stop saint boniface from doing this and and all we've talked about thor's oak that's true that's true now that i'm Mm -hmm. saying it, i'm like repeating myself but the people were so amazed that they you know many of them if not all of them converted and and we had the the beginning of a christmas tree um yeah so that's where we get the the little uh, fir tree now i've got a big fir tree But mine's fake, so I should (laughs) Because I want it to be perfect (laughs) every year. But I love I, I thought that was a fun a fun little article that Father Klein shared with us.
0: And I think all of these little tidbits that we gather along the way just help us make sense of something that, that our world has secularized so much yeah. that people would accept that a Christmas tree is just a secular edition. Right. Or that, you know, all of the, the rituals and things that we do are just like little secular um additives that don't really matter, um, I think, I think is unfortunate because we do have such a rich Christian tradition that we share. Again, this isn't just, I mean, it is just Catholic in the sense of like, you know, the universal church, but like every Christian denomination has bits and pieces of this. And yet we so quickly forget our history. Yep. You know, we so quickly forget why we do these things. And when you do forget why you do these things, they do become, vain. Right. They do become repetitious. They do become, you know, seemingly um, aimless rituals right. that you can cast aside if you feel like it's just too, you know, Laborious. It's too indulgent yeah. or it's too, yeah, whatever it is. But when you know the reason behind it, then you say, "Oh, that that's why we do this." Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and it always points back to Jesus. That's right. It always points back to uh, an opportunity to
1: evangelize the culture and to evangelize ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it, as as we said in our Advent talk, it's a magnifying glass um, that yeah. that reflects and magnifies Jesus. And it's yeah. not uh, Christmas trees are not a just decoration. Yeah. You know, um, and nativity sets are not just graven images and yeah. all the things of Christmas and the traditions that we do, um, really did start in the early, in the early, mm-hmm. you know, years of the Catholic church. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, my, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for two little bits. <laughs> <laughs> The first just came to mind when we were talking about Scripture, and I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I do want to recommend a book um, by Jimmy Akin um, called The Bible is a Catholic Book. Um, Jimmy Aiken, if you have not read him before, he is probably one of the most um, diplomatic, well, well-spoken um uh, he, he's a convert to the Catholic church and he understands Protestantism and, and deals with the, the, the protests that they have, um, in, you know, to the Catholic faith in such a sensitive way and in, in a way that is respectful of what they believe. And his book, although, you know, the title, the Bible is a Catholic book, may be like one of those ones that you might not give like your, best price <laughs> friend <laughs> you might you, you know really what he writes in it is something that is very consumable and not <clears throat> off-putting at all and so I highly recommend the book um the Bible is a Catholic book by Jimmy Aiken. And then um, I want to talk about my last little bit about the, um, the movie that came out. Oh, gosh, it's probably been 10 years now. The Nativity Story. Did you Have you ever watched that one? I don't think so. Um, it's kind of the realistic depiction of um, the Blessed Mother and the birth of Jesus from the just actually just prior to the Annunciation through the flight to Egypt. Um, uh, basically, it's her betrothal to Joseph, how it all, you know, and there are lots of liberties, there there are lots of liberties, because there's plenty in the Gospels that we don't read plainly, that we kind of have to draw inferences mm-hmm. and, you know, um, do some speculative theology there. And when, the, when this movie was um, released, it had actually um, support from the Vatican, I believe. Um, but still, of course, because we are so thirsty and hungry for controversy, there are plenty <laughs> of Catholics and Probably even non-Catholics who took issue with how certain things were depicted, how certain things were um, represented, and one that, that, that many people, especially, um, had problems with, was the depiction of the Blessed Mother. And I don't want to give too much away because I, I think it's I think it's actually a worthy movie to watch. I, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, you don't have to take everything as the truth. Right. Like this is absolutely how these things came to be. But I what fascinated me. And I'm not even going to defend some of the things or even describe some of the things that people took issue with because I think you should watch it on your own and decide what you feel is, is something that is worthy of reflection or rejection even. Right. Um, but I marveled at what a challenge it must have been for this filmmaker to even depict... The Blessed Mother. In some ways, I think it's easier to depict Jesus mm-hmm. because we we both, as Catholics, we believe that they are they were both perfect in their humanity in the sense of neither one sinned. We actually do hold that as a dogma um, that that you know Mary w- w- was sinless, the Immaculate Conception, yeah. um, and that not only was she conceived without original sin in anticipation of being the mother of God, she was preserved from sin, she was saved from sin from from the moment that she was created so that she could have this this capacity to hold god within her um you know it, it was a very, it's a very particular um understanding of the immaculate conception and her sinlessness um that's a hard thing to depict yeah. <laughs> because she was still human right but but we see this, but Matt and I were talking about this um, specifically with Jesus, like Jesus movies. We see Jesus in his full humanity, and we have no problem with that. We have no problem with seeing Jesus overturn the tables in the temple in righteous anger. We have no problem seeing, you know, Jesus do a bunch of things that we say, yeah, that's human, but he's sinless, so it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, because he's God. Obviously, he was not sinning when he's doing these things that look fully human. And yet, when we see the Blessed Mother doing things that are fully human, we so quickly get kind of um, viscer- our visceral responses. Oh no, no, that that's that that might be too offensive. Yeah. That might not, you know, really be a true depiction of the Blessed Mother because it looks too human,
1: right? And I think I think so much of that is um, that, like you said, it, it, and I, I yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to for my words here, sorry, I'm stuttering. Um, I think that so much of that has to do with the fact that, you know, our Christian friends and other faith denominations don't believe that she's sinless. And so... Yeah,
0: it's defensive, for sure. So
1: there is almost like no way to depict her sinless, um, especially unless it is a really strong, you know, Catholic producer, I guess. Um, Because I I don't know too... I, I don't... I don't have any, you know, friends in other faith traditions that believe she was perfect. You know, mm-hmm. they, they just mm-hmm. don't. And mm-hmm. so her human um, emotions and her human actions um, mm-hmm. are, e- are, I think, easily understood to be, you know, yeah, she, she wasn't yeah, perfect. I mean,
0: even, even our negative emotions aren't sins and i think that's also a really fine line that we have to 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 delve into and and we talk about this in in spirituality a lot like you know we you can get angry you can have a negative emotion about something and it not be a sin right. now dwelling on it doing something about it you know acting out and you know lashing out in vengeance or you know all of these things those could be sins mm-hmm. for sure but the emotions aren't sins they, they are they are um indicative of our humanity you know we're not robots right you know we we're not programmed to just happy feelings you know goodness at all times like we we do even without sin we can have a negative emotion. And I think that some of what people felt was um, not an appropriate representation of the Blessed Mother in this movie were some of her reactions to things that were very human reactions. Yes. Yeah. Um and, and you know, it's worthy it's worthy to, to wrestle with, I think. I don't think that we should, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Even if even if you, you know, come up with a handful of things in the movie that you're like, you know, know that that's really what would happen that's fine because you're dealing with it yeah think about it so my, yeah think about it and it's still christmas y'all so you can still watch christmas movie, movies and i recommend this one. that that sounds like so what is what's the name of it, the nativity story it's the Nativity story. Okay. Yeah. And I think it was like a 2006 movie and I I don't think it was a Catholic producer or a Catholic filmmaker but yet it did have Vatican response which I think was um of of note.
1: Yeah. You know. We are going to watch that. I can't wait because I always try yeah. and watch um, One or two movies around this time of year, just like I do at Easter time. We always mm-hmm. try and watch The Passion yeah. of the Christ. The Passion. Uh, so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. But um, this one is a little bit sweeter and happier because it's yeah. a baby and you get to see, you know, the, the happiness that is Jesus being born um, from as, you know, from the mother of God delivered from his mother, um, the Blessed Mother. But also, I just want to throw out one more movie and I'm not going to talk about it <laughs> a lot, but you know I love The Star of Bethlehem. yes always a good one I'm so glad you mentioned it always a good Mm -hmm. one y'all it um it it's about probably 15 years old by now but it Mm -hmm. we watch it every Christmas Eve for the most part and we love it and it um talks about uh the the guy who actually produced it was a Mm non-Catholic he led a Bible study at his I think Protestant church and he um he it's kind of a funny story that I don't want to go into too much detail because this is gonna be a long podcast but he talks about his um neighborhood used to always uh decorate their house kind of as a in in a theme and people from all over the the town and the state would drive just to see their neighborhood it would be like mickey mouse and minnie mouse and and it was like kind of disney-esque but very themy you know Mm -hmm. but with christmas hats and all this stuff and he just said on principle he did not want to do that And so he, it was almost like Christmas with the cranks. He said no. So he's the only dark house. And his kids got really sad. Like, Dad, we got to at least decorate. You know, this looks anti-Christian. So he agreed to decorate the house this this year. And um, one of the kids said, well, we got to have a star of Bethlehem. And he said, and it just took me on this journey of what was the star? What was the star? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I can go get a star with lights, yeah. but it, it opened up some, something inside of him. And he became very curious about the star of Bethlehem. And he did, and that led him to like years of research. And he even stopped because of his Protestant views of like looking for signs in the sky really yeah. scared him, yeah. you know, astrology. Sure. Yeah. And, and he was very faithful to, to his faith and, um, and to what he had been taught he said I think he said something about his grandmother would have, you know, <laughs> rolled over in her grave. She knew he was outside looking at the sky at night when he put his after he put yeah. his children to bed. But what he came across and what he finally put together was just really kind of a magnificent love story really in the sky of, um, of the, the time where the, where the stars would have been when Jesus, you know, was born. And, and actually he figured out what he believes was the star of Bethlehem. And it, it really kind of makes sense, but it was aired on EWTN. And, um, so for us Catholic kiddos, um, EWTN is like the Catholic TV station. And so, I felt like it was legit and we, yeah, we watched yeah. it and we ended up ordering copies of it and we'd give it to friends. And I've had a copy that's floated around, you know, over the years. And, um, but we watched it you every You gave us one. Did I? Yeah. I mean, we, we yeah. loved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just ripped, <laughs> I just ripped out my <laughs> headphones getting animated. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. <laughs> You're so excited about the star of Bethlehem. So go out and watch the star of Bethlehem and the nativity story. Uh, yeah. This season, yeah. All right. Merry Christmas. Happy right. New Year.
0: Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Merry Mother of God. Pray for oh, us.
1: Pray for us. Amen.
0: Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.